Journey into Space. Return from Mars by Charles Chilton. Hello, Flight 127. Your landing point is runway 17. Please switch to automatic navigation and landing. Switching now. Hello, Earth. Hey. Hello, Control. Discovery calling. What was that? I didn't say anything. I think we have some interference. Hello, Control. Receiving you spring free. Whoever you are, you're interfering with London Landing Control. Please check your transmitter frequency and clear this channel. Did you say landing control? Yes. Of course, this is Discovery. Who? Hey, Harry, I've got a fellow on here thinks he's the flagship of a Martian fleet. Somebody's having you on. Listen. Hello, Earth. Discovery calling. Come in, please. Get the supervisor. Hello, Flight 127. We're definitely receiving interference. Will you please switch to Channel 7 and request landing procedure from there? Message understood. Thank you. Hello, Discovery. Supervisor, London Centre Air Control calling. Hello, Control. You've come up on the wrong frequency and are causing serious interference. Will you please retune your transmitter and clear this channel? I'd be delighted if you could tell me which frequency to tune to. Your allocated control frequency. Gordon done that. Tried to raise them for two days. No reply. Two days? Which control centre were you calling? Horseshoe Range, Northern Territory, Australia. Australia? Are you sure? That's the one I always use. Hang on, I'll check the station lists. Horseshoe Range, did you say? Yes, Northern Territory. Oh, here it is. Wait a minute. Well... There was such a place. Was? It was closed down 30 years ago. What? Whoever it is out there is not going to get any landing help from Horseshoe. Hello, Discovery. Go ahead. Are you the captain of your aircraft? No, and we're not an aircraft. We're a spacecraft. Can I have a word with your captain? Certainly. Hello, Control. Captain Morgan here. What's the trouble? It appears you were calling on a disused frequency. It's the one we were allocated. When did you last use it? When we left Mars for home about six years ago. Six years to get from Mars? Did you go by way of Pluto? Well, we're not sure how long we've been away, but in less than 24 hours from now, we'll be entering the Earth's atmosphere and looking for a landing place. Do you have automatic navigation and landing system? ASN method. Never heard of it. The very latest thing when we left Earth. I'll have to refer this matter to Central Command. Can you let me have a few more details about yourself and your crew, your ship, for identification purposes? Certainly. I am Captain Jet Morgan. This is the Discovery flagship of the former Martian fleet. My crew consists of Dr. Matthews, flight engineer Mitchell, and radio operator Barnett. Thank you. I'll call you again in a few minutes. Morgan? Did he say Jet Morgan? Yes. Well, I've heard of him. Oh? He's a big hero in his day. Led the first exploratory expedition to Mars. Apparently set out for home, but was never heard of again. How long ago? Thirty or forty years. Everybody assumed he and his ship were lost. Hello, Discovery. Strength five. I have spoken to Central Command. This is what you must do. Retune to your old control frequency. They will listen out for you and give you full instructions for landing. At Horseshoe? No, that is no longer in use. They will allocate another landing point somewhere else in Australia. You will then be brought to London by Stratoship. What's that? It's part airplane, part spaceship. Best thing for long-distance earthbound flights. Air travel seems to have forged ahead while we've been away. But thank you for your information. We'll do as you say. Good luck. Is it really, then? Jet Morgan and his crew? 
Back from the dead? We'll know tomorrow, if they make a safe landing. That's right. These are the members of my crew. How do you do? How do you do, sir? Sit down, gentlemen. I've been sent by Space HQ to ask you a few questions. There are a few we'd like to ask you. Like, why have we been kept shut up? Hmm. And why are we not allowed to contact our family? Well, under the circumstances, we thought it best to keep a tight security check on all your movements until we'd clarified a few things. Such as? Since you touched down, we've had a chance to consult the records about your trips to Mars. When you failed to return from the second trip, it was presumed that the Discovery and all aboard were lost. Well, for a time, we were. Oh? Whereabouts? We can't be sure. How long were you away? Six or seven years, including the time taken to return from Mars to Earth, we believe. You seem rather vague as to time. Yes. Why? Well, after we landed on Mars, we spent a few months on and around the planet until the invasion threat was neutralized and then set out for home. That's right. It was then we got lost, uh, well, confused, not only as to our physical position in space, but as to our awareness of time. A very critical loss to an astronaut. Mm. Exactly. We flew that ship home by the seat of our pants, putting our faith in control to bring us down safely. Which leads to the very serious question as to why, when we needed the most, control decided to abandon us. Horseshoe, like everybody else, had given you up for lost. But the Australian space program was scheduled to operate for 20 years. It did operate for 20 years. At the end of that time, a new space operation site was opened on the Barclay Plateau. I'm sorry, Commander, I don't follow you. Captain Morgan, can you tell me what year this is? Not to the precise day or week. Or even which century? I don't really understand the question, but the 20th century, of course. No. This is the year 2026. 2026? It's the time warp. We didn't travel far enough. We've arrived back in the 21st century instead of the 20th. All I know is you suddenly appear on the main control frequency claiming to be Jet Morgan and crew of the Discovery decades after you were officially presumed lost. But I am Jet Morgan. This is my crew. Yes, I must say you look like the men you claim to be and hardly a day older, judging from the photographs in the records office. But the fact is, gentlemen... You have been out of touch with Earth for nearly half a lifetime. Blimey. Suppose you tell me all that happened since you left Mars in whenever it was. Well, all that took place up to the time we frustrated the Martians' attempted invasion must be on record at HQ. We transmitted the whole story. That's right, but what happened after that? I'll get my diary. It's all in there. Immediately after leaving the big asteroid where we had been held prisoner, that things began to go wrong. We're about to take off for the eight-month journey home. Everybody ready? Mitch? All set. Number one, Gyro. Number one. Number two? Number two. Stand by for takeoff. Don't overdo it, Jeff. The gravity pulls this asteroid virtually nil. Just a short burst in five seconds from 
Now. Four, three, two, one. Let's have a picture, Lemmy. Rear view. Coming up. Whew. That's odd. No good. Picture's all right, but it's the wrong one. Hey? Should be showing the asteroid we just left. There's nothing on the screen but stars. And we should see Mars. Should almost fill the screen. Let's take a look forward. Forward, televiewer. Wow. Oh. Good grief. Watch that. Must be the Earth. It is the Earth. That's so close. No, no. It's the wrong color. Is the radar working? Think so. Yeah. Then we'd better start taking some readings. I can't figure out what the heck's happened to us. The gravity pull of that asteroid was very slight. We were bound to take off pretty smartly. Not like a shell from a cannon, and at such a rate of acceleration that we all lost our senses. How long were we blacked out? Well, more than a few minutes, I'd say, until the emergency fuel cut came into operation. But in that short time, we appear to have traveled millions of miles. And are heading straight for a planet none of us recognizes. It's less than 90,000 miles away. We can land on it, can't we? Like we intended to land on Earth. It certainly has an atmosphere. If it's dense enough, we could accomplish a landing. And how do we maneuver the ship? You think we used up all the fuel? More than likely. Only way to tell is to go down and inspect the tanks. Hmm. I'll come with you. While you're in the hold, I'll take a look outside, see if we've suffered any damage. Careful, Jet. Make sure you're securely hit. Study its surface, work out its daily rotation period, where the flattest ground is and where the best weather's likely to be. Right. And let me... Yes, yes. Stay on the radar. Measure our distance and calculate our speed and hand the result to me and Mitch every five minutes. Right. Okay, then. Let's get down to work. Well, it seems to be almost totally covered with desert, which is why it has that red color. 
There are islands and chains of extremely high mountains, twice as high as any on Earth, I'd say. Any water? Yes, some. Two or three seas or large lakes in each hemisphere. But it's a planet composed almost entirely of dry land. That's better than one composed entirely of water. Any light, do you think? The coloration on the edges of the lake suggests something could be growing there. Mm -hmm. Our telescopic power is too weak to show us. Maybe we'll see more as we get closer. Any ideas about climate? By day, it's pretty warm down there, by Earth's standards. Very cold by night. There are some fairly dense cloud patches, mostly in the lake regions, and there's a little ice at both poles. Very thin and almost identical in size. Either we've arrived between seasons or this planet's axial tilt is zero. And the axial rotation? I can't say at this stage, but considerably slower than the Earth's. Hmm. No sign of any intelligent life? Not from this distance. Oh, thanks, Doc. You uh, think we'll make it? We should enter the atmosphere in about ten hours. That will be the moment of truth. And if it isn't dense enough to slow us down? Then we're in trouble. Right. There's not enough fuel to make a rocket-assisted landing. Over daylight once more. Hmm. Course, Mitch? Steady as she goes. Height? 20,000. I think we should go in. Well, now's the time if we want to choose the landing place. Delay could mean being forced to land on the dark side. Right. Can you hear me in the cabin? Yes, Jack. Take up stations. We're going to land. Where? About 50 degrees north of the equator, near the lake, just south of the big mountains. Good luck. And here we go. Put her nose down for a nice, gentle descent. Speed 205. 210. Height? 2,500. We're too low. Land too near the equator. I could turn on the motor, give her a boost. That'd carry us a few hundred miles more. No, we don't risk using up the fuel. We may need it for landing. I'll keep her nose up as long as I can. Don't let her stall. She'll never recover. Keep a lookout for a decent landing spot. There's a fall warning. I can hear it. Height 1,200. The ground's soft. We'll tip up on our nose for sure. Pancake landing's the only answer. Height 1,000 exactly. Speed 180. Nose down. Speed 190. Height 800, 700, 600, 500, 400, leveling up, 300. Now! Look at that, you must have it right over. 200. Landing imminent. 100, 90, 80, 70, 60. Touching down. Retrograde now. Sorry about that. Is the ship damaged? If it is, it'll be the undercarriage. Well, at least the airlock's working. You all right in here? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, except for the sloping floor. Yeah. Well, undo your harness and stow your couches. We'll carry out an inspection of all equipment. Does that include the radio? Of course. Why not? Well, I don't see how anyone would be calling us in this place. There was no sign of intelligent life on any part of this planet that I saw. Maybe. But all parts of the ship should be in full working order. Right. So we'll check the radio, and we'll keep a listening outwatch from time to time. Well, there doesn't seem to be any internal damage. How about outside? Two will go. We'll draw lots. They will test the atmosphere, find out why we have this list. Oh, here are the straws. Draw right. one each, two short ones go. 
Oh. It's me and Lemmy. Just more luck. Come on, get your suit on. The sooner we get it over, the better. Hello, Doc? How you doing? We just touched down. Good. Come forward a bit so we can see you on the televiewer. What's the ground like? What about the temperature? 24, 25 degrees. I'd say to take our helmets off, I think. What do you see, Mitch? I've gone around 360 degrees, nothing but sand on the peaks of tall mountains showing above the horizon. Not a thing moving. Okay, Doc, you can take your helmets off one at a time. Make it to the starboard side? Oh, sure. Round you go, then. What is it? So I can hear. How about the undercarriage? Is it damaged? No, no, don't do anything like that. It's too risky. So long as the undercarriage isn't about to collapse... I don't think so. Then that's enough for the first day's outing. you better come in. It'll probably be dark in an hour or so. Okay. Still all clear out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, no. What is it? It's not on the ground. It's in the sky. Where? The stars. Stars? You're supposed to be keeping watch on the surrounding terrain, not stargazing. Well, I couldn't help it. They're shining through the glass so brightly, and there's so many of them. So? Well, I, I was trying to see which was the brightest in that group on the horizon, and, and counting how many there were, when I, I noticed that the really bright ones formed a, a familiar shape. Well, almost. What shape? The plough, the bear. Oh, yes. With the two stars pointing at the pole star, except that because the... Uh, the top one... Dubé. Dubé. Uh, yeah, a shifted look. That they don't point to the pole anymore. Yes, you're right. And there's the little bear. But that's not quite the right shape, either. What's that, you think? All I can think of is that this planet's part of our own solar system. Then which planet we on? <laughs> I wish I knew. Only red planet I know is Mars. We've been on that. It didn't look anything like this. I don't think we're on Mars. It can't be Earth. Is that all you have to report? Two solid hours I've been watching and not a thing's moved except the stars across the sky. All right. Get back to the cabin. I'll keep watch for a while. If I hadn't seen it, I'd never have believed it. Some constellations exactly as they've always been. Others so distorted you can hardly recognize them. How can stars change their position? Well, they do, all the time. But they're such a great distance away, the movement is not discernible for tens of thousands of years. Perhaps we have moved forwards or backwards in time. Perhaps this is Mars after all, the red planet. But tens of thousands of years ago, 
when it still had an atmosphere and could support higher forms of life. That would have been millions of years ago. And every constellation would be unrecognizable. Oh, this is a problem that can't be solved purely on theory. When we can begin to explore this planet, maybe we'll come up with some answers. When will that be? We could start tomorrow. What do we use for transport? We hike, construct a sled to carry oh. food and equipment, and walk. Oh, the nearest lake must be hundreds of miles away. We've got to take some action while supplies are still plentiful. How long can we hold out? We have food for more than a year. And then? Well, maybe this planet does support some kind of life. I doubt it. It might support us. Expect us to remain here for the rest of our days? What choice do we have? Now or now our Robinson Crusoe fell. We'd better get some sleep. It'll do us all the world of good. Which world? Shouldn't we keep a watch? I don't think so. We're safe in here. It's impossible for anything to get in. Let's hope so. Even if there was anything, which I doubt very much. I have a feeling that this is a totally empty world with no living creatures on it but ourselves. We must conserve energy. The batteries won't last forever. We don't want to die in here because we suddenly find there's no longer any power left to open the outer door. All airlocks except the outer one will remain open and not be used. All lights and equipment except absolutely essential ones will be extinguished. What was that? Something hit the ship. The televiewer, quick. Right. Doc, Mitch, go to the flight deck. Tell us what you can see. Right, Jack. Tell if you're on. Can you see anything? No. The screen's too dark. Put the light up. How's that? No. I can see very little. Stars, the horizon, that's all. It's too dark out there. Well, maybe whoever it is is too near the ship for the camera to pick up. Yeah, maybe. Doc, Mitch, what do you see? Hardly anything. Our eyes aren't used to the dark yet. Now, wait a minute. Something moving out there. Where? On the port side group of figures. Oh, yeah. I, I could just see them. What do they look like? Uh, bears. Bears? Yes. They just stood up on their hind legs and launched a shower of rocks at us. Doc, I'm coming out. Come in, will you? Take over the televiewer. Right. Right, Mitch, where are they? I were on the port. They vanished now. They really look like bears. I did when crouching on all fours, but they stood up to fire the missiles. Fire? They've got some kind of gadget to fire them with, but no explosions. Then they must be creatures of some intelligence. Yeah, obviously. What's that? Huh? Where? Straight ahead. That's them, isn't it? Yeah. If we switch on the landing lights, they'll be directly in the beam. They'll use up a lot of battery. We'll only turn them on for a couple of seconds. Cripes, they're shooting at us. How do they know we're in here? They must have eyes like cats. I'm going to switch on the light. Now. Look, running for their lives. Well, they aren't bears. They're two-legged creatures wrapped up against the night cold. It must be well below zero out there. Oh, I'm gone. Switch off. <laughs> they didn't like the light, did they? Ran like a devil. Yeah, well, I'd be back. In daylight, I hope. I'd like to have a good look at them. At least they're no real threat. How do you know? All they did was shoot stones at us. Couldn't do any real harm. Unless we met them outside during one of your proposed expeditions. Ah, uh, yeah. Let's get back to the main cabin. We'll organize a night watch. One man here in the pilot's cabin for two hours while the others sleep. There's so much for the empty, uninhabited world. When you've finished your breakfast, Doc, you can relieve Lemmy in the pilot's cabin. 
Yes, Jet. You find you get very hungry, mm. aren't you? Like I haven't eaten for a week. Well, it was a long night. Well, longer than Earth. What time do your watches say? Mine's gone completely haywire. Oh, they're still keeping Earth time and racing ahead. I doubt whether we can slow them down enough to keep the correct time here. Maybe we can get the ship's clock to go slowly enough. We can check the time from the sun each day at noon. Jet, something approaching. Mm-hmm. Coming, Lenny. Where are they? Not them, it. Coming over the mountain. It's a flying saucer. What? Where? See the tallest peak? Yes. Below that, between it and us. Oh, yes. You must have good eyes. It couldn't have been more than a speck when you called. No, it was bigger. It was hovering over the mountains and then headed this way, like it'd been looking for us and then sighted us. Dog, turn on the televiewer. See what you make of a flying machine heading this way from the port side. Right. It's almost here. Can you see it? Got it in full view. Stops and starts like a hoverfly. Incredible control. It's coming down. I don't think this is going to be frightened away by a flash of landing lights. That door's opening. Bloody! It's a girl. A human. And beautiful. Why is she dressed like an ancient Greek? (laughs) Not exactly like an ancient Greek, but I see what you mean. She can see us. What's she doing? Pointing to her wrist, then her ear. Trying to convey something. Let's see what the others think. I've never seen anything like it. Perfect. I think she wants to talk to us. Oh, I know what she wants. The radio turned on. What did I tell you? Hello, young lady. What do you want, then? Wahoo! We're not going to cross the home, eh? What's she say? Freeway or passport? That's more double than Dutch. Kazastros. She wants us to go outside. Eh? Oh, what, what else do those gestures mean? Is it safe to go out? Well, she certainly isn't throwing stones at us. Here. I'll go. No, you went before. Give someone else a turn. Eh? I mean... Well, we must all share the risks equally, and you did your bit yesterday. I haven't been out either. Well, why don't you both go? Well, maybe she's concealing some secret weapon. With a figure like that? Where does she keep it? Oh, now she's going back to her ship. Come on, Mitch. We've got to make contact sometime. Okay, we're on the ground. This sand is hot. Yeah. Hello. I'm Jet Morgan, captain of the Discovery. This is flight mechanic Mitchell. We call him Mitch. How do you do? Free not pausing from Botetas, Osasvitazvo. Hort, pata esa roto vetico. You want us to put those things round our necks? There. Can you understand me now? Good heavens, yes. Every word. How's it done? It's a translator. Well, more a thought reader. The translation is done in your own head. It's miraculous. I think they can understand what she's saying. If the rest of your crew would like to join in the conversation, I'll give them translators, too. Uh, It's terribly hot out here. You should not stand in the sun's rays without protective clothing. What about you? I am wearing protective clothing. What, that gym slip? Feel it. Oh, it's stone cold. (laughs) To you, perhaps. But it's just the right temperature for me. Well, let's go inside. It's cooler. Better still. Come into my ship. Uh, You'll not come to any harm. You can leave any time you wish. I think the lady means it. So do I. They can't understand her. Doc, Lemmy, come out. Shall we wear our suits? No. We have only to walk over to my craft. What did she say? 
She said, you only have to walk over to her craft. We're coming. I see the sortiers have already paid you a visit. You mean those Eskimos? They can be a bit frightening if you meet them alone, but they're harmless, really. What about all that stone throwing? More of a demonstration than an attack. They just can't resist a chance to show their contempt for Talians. Huh. You could have fooled me. Sit where you like. It's nice and cool in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, mind if I look around a bit? No, help yourself. But I shall close the door to maintain the temperature. Which is the control panel? Control panel? How do you drive it? Oh, you dial direction, height, speed and destination on here. Uh-huh. Press the starter button and you're off. But all that maneuverability, how do you control that? With this control. You see, it's saucer-shaped, like the ship, but in miniature. You place your hand on it, push forward to advance, backwards to reverse, sideways, any direction you like. Yeah. The real craft will take up the same position. Climb or descend in any direction and at any angle. That's darn clever. Yeah. But how do you see out? We have a viewing panel here. It gives a 90-degree view of outside. The camera is set in the roof and can rotate full circle as fast or as slow as you need. And watch this screen. Oh, that's for view directly below. That's a remarkable piece of engineering. It's so simple. (laughs) In operation, that is. Is there anything else you'd like to inspect? No, thank you. You've been very patient. Well, then, now that we're all safely inside, I must tell you that I am Cassia, and I have been sent to bring you to Talia. Where's that? Some 400 miles north of here. It's the city in which I live. And what about the, uh, sortiers? They live quite apart and separate from us. Talia offers you a comfortable place to live, sufficient food and clothing, total protection from the climate. Mm -hmm. Are all the girls in Talia as beautiful as you? Yes. Then we shall come to Tali. Yeah. How long will it take us to get there? About 15 minutes. Sit well back in your seats. Blimey. Dear, wait a minute. What's wrong? 1600 miles an hour and no one driving. We are on automatic drive. Yeah, suppose we meet here or another ship or something. We will avoid it. There is no danger. Well, if you say so. When we landed on this planet, it seemed completely devoid of life. It almost is. When we first saw it, we thought it was Earth. Is that where you were from, Earth? What do you call this planet? Tribos. It means third. We are the third planet from the sun. So is Earth. Oh, how many planets encircle your sun altogether? Nine. We have twelve. Whereabouts in the galaxy is your system located? We have no idea. But two days ago, or what seemed like two days ago, we were in it. Going back home from Mars, mm-hmm. that's the fourth planet from the sun. How we came to land in this place is a mystery. It was our fault. We apologize. You? What did you to do with it? It was the Space Travel Research Center trying to recover one of their ships. It was a great surprise to them when you turned up. Oh, we didn't take it lightly. Somehow, from somewhere, you entered the recovery field just as they recalled our ship from Nepal. Where's Neptune? It's a small planet situated on the extreme edge of our solar system, 6,000 million miles from the sun. It'll take a lifetime to travel that far. Oh, really? Our ships do it in 10 hours. 10 oh, hours? The time-consuming periods are the acceleration after takeoff and the deceleration before landing after passing through the time barrier. You travel through time? Only in order to travel through space. Our aim is to reach the nearest star within a Trebosian lifespan. Why? This planet will support life for only two or three thousand years more. 
we have to find a new world to colonize. Well, do you have to go that far? Isn't there a planet within your solar system that you could live on? No. Years ago, we thought there might be. But every globe in this system, except Tribos, is a dead, barren world of solid rock or a globe of freezing, poisonous gas. Breaking the time barrier is our only hope of survival. But why send a ship to Neptune if it lies within your own solar system? It is the farthest point we can send an experimental ship, have it land, and then recover it. Except instead of recovering it, we recovered you. What happened to your ship then? Still sitting on Neptune, thank goodness. The previous ship we sent never came back. Any people on board? Oh, no. But it was intended to put a crew aboard on the next ship. What we need to know is why your ship responded to the recovery field and ours didn't. I wish we could tell you. Hey, look, that great honeycomb structure down there by the lake. That is Talia. What you can see are the meteor shield and the sun filters. But why the honeycomb shape? Each section is hermetically sealed from the next to prevent air loss should it get damaged. The air pressure within the city is much higher than outside. We shall descend and enter the main airlock. I will then take you to your quarters. I can see the city through the glass. Look. I expected a futuristic kind of place. But this looks like a Mediterranean town of ancient times. And beautiful. We prefer it. But with all your scientific knowledge... It has taught us to appreciate the simple life. Hello, Flying Craft 3. You will wait. All airlocks are occupied. Instructions received and understood. It will only be a minute or two. Lots of people leave the city at this time of day. But with your own civilization so advanced and organized, how come the Sotirs seem so, well, primitive? For many generations, Talia has concentrated on breeding a perfect race. People with bodily illness or mental defects were never allowed to breed. The race was improved as the defects were bred out of it. The result is the most perfect group of people ever to inhabit this planet. And having achieved the ultimate, you are fated to find your planet dying in your day's number. We will establish a new colony elsewhere in the galaxy. The race will go on. But what about all those people who were not allowed to breathe? The defectives, what happened to them? Most of them accepted their fate and remained good Talian citizens. Others chose to leave and live their own way of life, which means breeding as and when they please. Are they the satyrs? Yes, a race of rejects. Originally, only a few hundred, but now their numbers greatly exceed the Talians. They have not the sense to know that the first basic rule for happiness within a community with limited resources is to control the birth rate. Well, in spite of their great numbers, there don't seem to be many about. They hole up by day in their underground dwellings. They've learned to live with the cold and have become creatures of the night. Hello, Flying Craft 3. You will enter airlock entrance 4. The spacemen are to be taken to Central Piazza for interrogation. Message understood. Entering airlock now. We entered the city and immediately descended into a vast underground park for flying saucers. Having alighted from the aircraft, we were whisked away by a moving platform, forward and upward to ground level, and then along roads flanked by walls about ten feet high. The streets were laid out on a grid pattern. The movable platforms carrying pedestrians to all parts of the city took up most of the main roadways. Narrow streets without moving platforms divided one block of buildings from another. Airtight doors were built into the walls of these narrow ways and opened into residences built very much in the style of an ancient Roman townhouse. 
that is, with a large entrance and a peristyle or patio, which also served as a garden. Where the streets opened onto a grand piazza, we alighted from the traveling platform and entered a large building. There, in a kind of conference room or council chamber, we faced a man as handsome and as young-looking as Cassia. He questioned us for what seemed to be hours on who we were, where we had come from, and where we were headed before the recovery field engulfed us and brought us, somewhat violently, to Tribos. We explained time and again how, so far as we knew, we had not traveled from a planet encircling some distant star. We believed we were still within our own solar system, though exactly where was a deep mystery. My suggestion that somehow we had moved forward or backward in time was poo-pooed. Our ships utilize time only in order to travel through space. The movement is sideways, not forwards or backwards. You must have traveled here from the region of Nephtha. That is why the constellations are known to you but distorted in shape. Nephtha must be the planet you call Earth. He treated us politely but grilled us with never-ending questions. The appearance of our ship in place of the one expected had given the Trebosian scientists a great shock. They obviously had no idea what to make of us who were so like them in appearance. Long before the interview was over, we were feeling exhausted, though neither Cassia nor our interrogator showed the least sign of tiredness. At last, we were released, and Cassia was permitted to show us to the house we were to occupy for the next Trebosian year or more. Cassia's back and waiting to escort us to the Space Council. But what's all this fancy dress? <laughs> this is the clothing issue. You'll find yours in the wardrobe. They're very comfortable. I'll be up just as soon as I shower. Then hurry up. Cassia's waiting. Uh, which one was the bathroom button? Second from right. Oh. Video phone service. Blimey. Who are you? Video phone. You rang? 
Yeah, I thought I was suddenly in the bathroom door. Button number two. Ah, oh, thanks. Where's he gone? Video phone service. Was there something else? Uh, wh which button is for wardrobe? Four. Uh, two, three. Oh. Do I have to wear all these? Do you intend to go outside the city? Oh, I don't think so. Wear tunic, belt, purse and sandals. Do not forget wrist radio. <laughs> is that what it is? I thought it was a watch. Anything else? No, thank you. Enjoy your day. Thanks. Are you coming, Lenny? You're right with you, Mitch, just as soon as I shower. Well, hurry up, we're all waiting. Sit down and face the platform. The spokesman for the council will be here directly. Now, there's this place, the lecture hall. Sometimes. Also a council chamber, a theatre, whatever it's called for. Good day, gentlemen, oh. and welcome to Talia. Blimey, where did he spring from? Quiet, Lenny, where's your respect? But he wasn't there a second ago. We are sorry for the inconvenience we have caused you. We were expecting our own ship to arrive, not yours. It is still standing on Nephthah. Did you see it? We've never been to Nephthah. How else could you have been caught up in our recovering field? I wish I knew. After takeoff, we just kept accelerating. That's right. So fast and until we lost all consciousness. <laughs> Next thing we knew, we were within striking distance of this planet. Mm. The high acceleration was caused by our recovery process. By some extraordinary remote chance, you took off at the identical moment we energized the field. You reached almost the speed of light, broke through the time-space barrier, left your own planet, and appeared on yeah. ours. Mm. The ship we expected is still stranded on Nephthah. Yeah. Yet your ship responded to our efforts perfectly. We intend to find out why. We'd like to know, too. Precisely. Yes. We want you to restore the discovery to the identical condition it was in when you left, uh, Mars and headed for the Earth. Restore it? Us? That wouldn't be easy. You'll receive all the technical assistance you need. Yeah. Well, the ship's not even standing the right way up. And labor. But supposing we do put the discovery back into flying shape, how will it benefit us? If we can only find the information we are seeking, we could probably reverse the process that brought ah. you here and send you back again. Well, well, in that case... It is work most suited to you, and work you will enjoy. From that point of view, you are very fortunate. It's good to enjoy one's work. It compensates for the small reward. Well, do you intend to pay us, then? Only one person in Talia works for nothing. Oh, who's that? The president. The satisfaction of holding the high office is considered to be sufficient reward in itself. On the other hand, whereas no one is allowed to work without reward, neither is anyone allowed reward without work. What about a sick? There are no sick. The old, then? There are no old. Or well, which is the highest paid work? The dirtiest, the most uncomfortable. Labor in the recycling plants the sewers or the hydroponic farms, yeah. all of which operate underground. And the amount of pay? Work is rewarded in energy units. The harder you work, the more unlocked your credit. Units can be exchanged for material goods. Three months' work below ground will earn you sufficient units to live comfortably for a year or more. After that initial effort, one can usually coast along working at more pleasurable tasks for less pay. You expect us to abide by this custom? Mm. Of course. So long as you remain in Talia, you will be subject to all its laws and will devote your lives and dedicate your work to its benefit. And how much reward can we expect from working on the discovery? Very little, I'm afraid. Such work is placed high in the satisfaction category and therefore yields very little material return. But we will have to pay for the place we live in, food, all that? Yes. 
So we can't start work on the ship until we've earned our basic keep. We require you to begin work immediately. But three of you will work on the ship. The fourth will take up some employment and earn the bodily needs and comforts of the others. You start tomorrow. Transport to the site will be supplied and will leave at daybreak. Inform your guide of any difficulties. She is there to assist you. Yes. Thank you, gentlemen, and good work. What? He's gone. As quick as he came. The interview is over. He looks so real. What we saw was a picture. He was in another part of the city. We must leave now. I'll escort you back to your house. Did he mean what he said about dividing the work between us? Oh, yes. You would not remain here long if you worked only at the things you enjoyed. One of you will have to earn sufficient units for all. Well, don't all look at me. The radio needs refitting, too. Yes, Lemmy, but it's the least important. And it can be left to last. So while you lot are enjoying yourselves, I'll go work in the sort mine. As soon as we've made sufficient progress for you to start on the radio, one of us will take your place. Mm. I suppose we, we've got to do what that geezer says. Yes. Of course. Well, I mean, we, we could refuse, couldn't we? Yes, but you would have to leave Talia and be banned from entering it or any Trebosian city again. Well, there's somewhere else for us to go. Oh, yes, the planet is large. There's plenty of room. But very inhospitable. Very. And no Cassia to look after us. No. We shall stay here. Does that answer all your questions, Lemmy? Yay. Good. Now you get a little rest. We'll prepare a nice dinner for you. Oh, thanks. Chin up, Lemmy. Yeah, it's easy to say chin up. Yeah, you've got an employment office. What kind of employment are you seeking? The kind of place the biggest wages are free dependence are key. You will have to work hard and long to support three. Oh, no. For employment department, you take the red track to the Piazza of Sciences, change with the blue track to the Piazza of Occupation. There you will be allocated work. Thanks. And given your protective clothing. Thanks. Do not forget your wrist radio. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having your job, but that seems nice and cushy. Nobody can have my job. I do not exist. What? I am only a computer, programmed to answer countless questions. You're not a real man. An image on a screen. I can assume any shape you wish. All right, be a monkey. What is a monkey? I am not programmed for monkeys. Oh, uh, well, a sort here then. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that, that's very good. Was there something else? No, that, that'll be all, thank you. Have a good day. And you.